If you have your Bible this morning, I'd ask you to turn with me to Luke 2, beginning in verse 1. title of my message today is, It's Christmas Day. It obviously is. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up to Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. Then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Today as we gather together, we probably have already been to the mall. You've already been to buy some presents, to do this, to do that. You know, everybody, uh, it seems, uh, makes a trek there at least once a year, and usually it's around this date. Don't you enjoy watching people when you get there, seeing all the different folks and what they're doing and what they're about? There's nothing more interesting than people. Some people hold hands, and some people argue. You can tell that there's a major fight going on. You know, they're just really giving it uh, to each other. Some people are frail, and some people are very muscular. They're obviously very strong standing there. Some interesting people in our passage today. A lot of different people from a lot of different places, sort of like what you see at the mall. Caesar Augustus was certainly a strong man. He ruled Rome, and Rome ruled the world. He was in charge. He was a powerful, powerful man. When he said so, the legions marched. He had all the reins of power in his one singular hand. We live in a wonderful world today. There are good people. I think they're in the vast majority. And then there are some bad people. Our job that we talk about and learn about uh, throughout the church year is to hopefully learn how to reach out to those folks and influence some of the bad ones to become good ones. 
There are some people today, like Caesar, who want to have all the power. And they think of no one else along the way. They don't care about anybody else. They just want to be in charge. There are also people today who are trying very, very hard to be like Jesus. As I look out over the early service today and this service, I see a lot of people that are growing in their faith, that are trying to please Him who is Lord of all. And of course, it uh, brings joy to our hearts as we see the family of God gathered together. There are a lot of folks that are loving. They have a servant-like attitude. And they're really trying to reach out to our world and help it along the way. In our pledge to the flag and on our coins... Nowhere do we find the name of Caesar. Have you noticed that? It's just not there. The reason, of course, is that one day he died. And that kind of ended that story. When God sent forth his son, there was something entirely different. He is still alive today. He rose from the dead. On the third day, and rules and reigns, even with the Father in these very moments. Christ came in the fullness of time. Some ask me, say, Preacher, what, what does that mean, the fullness of time? It means just the right time. That's when Jesus came. That's when he comes to us. When we reach out and ask for him to come into our hearts, it's the fullness of time. And he reaches into our hearts and into our lives lives with us forevermore. He is as accessible today as he was at the manger in Bethlehem. The power of Augustus has faded, but the power of Christ has grown. With each passing year, there are millions of more believers around the world. In every country on the earth today, All around the world, there are some people, even in the radical Muslim countries, that are bowing their knees to Jesus. In every land, there are people saying a prayer to our Lord God Almighty. The innkeeper was not a a mean man. You remember when we were kids and we'd go to plays and they would always kind of depict the innkeeper as a bad guy? You know, he was mean, and he had a mean voice, and he would say mean things uh, to Mary and Joseph. And, uh, you know, he was always depicted that way. And really, I don't think he was a, a mean guy, bad guy. He, he was a good businessman. You know, the inn was full. They open the inn, and when people come in, they get a place, and when it's full, it's full. Uh, they didn't have phones to call ahead and make reservations. That that wasn't existent in that time. So when Mary and Joseph got there, there were no more inns, no more rooms. Other folks took the place uh, that they wanted and needed. But the innkeeper really showed a little love, I think. He showed them a place where they could be. They weren't really hostile to Mary and Joseph. They weren't mean people. They just uh, had kind of had other things on their mind. The innkeeper was concerned about a full house and how he was going to get 
to help all of them. So many people today do not mean to be irreligious, but they feel like they have so many things to think about and so many things to do, and their calendar is filled, and and they're busy, and they have deadlines to meet, and, and they're really not mean, hateful people. They're just busy. They're just preoccupied with other things. So many people today just have no room for Jesus in their hearts. So many turn Jesus away, just like the innkeeper did. Some other people that you can see, not at the mall, but in the Christmas drama, are those wonderful shepherds. You know, we always talk about the shepherds being poor and smelling bad. Well, they were both of those things. But they weren't bad people. Uh, They really uh, were people of faith. Many of them were strong people of faith. They're out in the field keeping watch over the flocks by night. People hired them and trusted them. They evidently were honest, uh, hardworking people. Perhaps on this particular night when all of these glorious things happened, it had been a cold and windy night. We really don't know. But it was a time when the shepherds had gathered together, and I'm sure they were talking, you know, they wanted something to do during the cold winter night. All of a sudden, an angel appears. He has a cell phone. (laughs) All of a sudden... The angel appears and says, I bring you good news of great joy. Now, can you imagine this? The shepherd's out on the hill. They've got the sheep around. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, appears this angel. Now, you have a lot of ideas in your mind about just exactly how angels look, but we really don't know. But we do know. That when this angel appeared out of nothing, it scared the shepherds to death. They were just terrified. They didn't know what to think. Here's things appearing around us. Well, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. Verse 10. It's a wonderful, redeeming message. And we need that, for heaven's sakes. We need a redeeming message. And and that's what the angel had. The angel say unto you is born now use the key word unto you is born this day in the city of david a savior which is christ the lord well uh, the angels were not talking to herod in his palace in jerusalem they were not talking to caesar in his palace in rome They were not talking to the chief priests and scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They weren't talking to any of them. Those that were filled with superficial things. Those that wanted to show off all the time. How pious, how righteous they were. They would march through the streets with their robes on and all that. None of that. The shepherds didn't appear to any of those folks. The message didn't come to the high and the mighty, but to the shepherds. They were humble men. They were expectant men. They wanted to hear about Jesus. They wanted to hear about the Messiah. They were anxious to do what they could to be a part of the story 
of the coming of the glorious Messiah that they had been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds of years. They didn't turn the message or the manger aside. They were thrilled to death. Since they were born, they had been hearing about the birth of the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah. For hundreds and hundreds of years, the Jewish people had said, He's coming, He's coming. And everybody, of course, wanted to be alive when He came. And these shepherds were. And they received the message. By now, I'm sure that they understood that this was an angel. And the angel was bringing this great message, and they were excited. After they got over being afraid, they were just thrilled to death. It's finally happening. It's happening in our lives. It's happening right around us. And we have gotten a personal message about it. How many expectant hearts do we have here this morning? Yearning for a message about Christ and what we can do for him. The angel said, you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. It's odd, isn't it, that the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the Redeemer, all of the great things, isn't it amazing that that child was born in a manger? Mangers were not uh, real clean. There were some smells there, in fact. You know, there's Mary and Joseph, the little cradle that perhaps they just pushed some straw together to form. There were some other folks, I'm sure, that were around, some animals that were around. Here's the manger. Here's a baby that is born who lives his whole life in simplicity. His whole life. He never stayed in castles. He never stayed in palaces. His friends were always the common people. Because of these facts, he made men and women know that what really mattered to him was not how much they possessed, but what they were trying to be, what they were trying to become. That's what was important to him. What are we trying to be on this Christmas day, 2016? Remember, the power-hungry folks will not have the peace and the joy that only the Messiah can bring. Do you want news of great joy this Christmas? You can certainly have it. It's available there for every one of us that's in the house. Do you want news of great joy that will not only be appropriated in these moments, but in every moment for the rest of your life. Have a humble heart. That's one of the ways that you get it. Have a heart that longs to be with Jesus. And my friends, he will not only come into your heart, but he'll stay in your heart forever. Forever. He will never leave. He will be inside of you forever. In my generation, there were two main events that everybody recognized as kind of pivotal moments in our lifespan. These things were considered to be 
the main points of about a 50-year period. Everyone around my age can remember where they were when somebody said to them, John F. Kennedy has just been assassinated. I remember I was walking across the campus at Baylor University, and my roommate saw me in the distance, and he ran across the, the grass and came over to me, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, the president, John Kennedy, has just been killed. Well, you know, for about a week, if you remember back then, that's all anybody talked about. You know, it was, of course, the headline on all the papers. They wanted to know all about it, all about this, all about that. And for months, for that whole, really that whole year, there was just one main subject of conversation. It was about John F. Kennedy. Well, that was a biggie. No question about that. Another important event during my lifetime has been the first walk of man on the moon. That was the other thing that our generation has been uh, forced to look at in a very powerful way. As important as these events have been to my generation, they pale in significance when compared to the coming of the Christ child at Bethlehem. They're just not nearly as important as that. Nothing about JFK or the moonwalk changes my eternal destiny. doesn't have one thing to do with where I'm going to spend eternity. How I relate to the cradle and the cross mean everything. Mean literally everything. Stars at night are very beautiful. Don't you like to go out at night and look up and see the stars? They kind of twinkle and... They're so pretty, and sometimes they align themselves in formations in the sky, and we look at that, and we're amazed by that and the beauty of it, and on a clear night, you know, you can see literally thousands of stars. It's really nice, but you know what? The stars can't love. They don't have any love. Flowers are beautiful, but they have no heart. It says in the florist window, Bouquets and wreaths. You can get either one at the florist shop. The flowers uh, don't really care. Uh, they'll go to a wedding or to a funeral. It's really all about the same to them. They're beautiful, but they are not personal. The mountains are majestic and grand. I grew up in Chattanooga, and we could see Lookout Mountain and Signal Mountain all the time. They were right there. We could see them. We could see the great mountain range that ran through Tennessee. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. When I went out west and saw the beautiful mountains by the edge of uh, California there, they were so pretty and so wonderful. The mountains are majestic and grand, but there's no comfort in their cold exterior. Oh, for a warm, loving heart in the universe. The Creator knew that that's what He needed, so He sent His Son to earth, to Bethlehem, to the manger, to be born for us, for you, for me. A son with a warm, loving heart. 
He sent his son to a little insignificant place called Bethlehem. Now, I've been to Bethlehem. It is an insignificant place. If you've ever been there, you know that. I mean, unless they've done a lot of changing in the last 15 years, I mean, there's no skyscrapers, no big highways, nothing, you know, really nothing. It's kind of a third-rate place, a lot of dust, a lot of dirt, uh, a lot of this, a lot of that. Uh, not any industry of any kind. Just, you know, just very, very, very plain. But what happened there was not plain. It was powerful. It was the incarnation. The Lord came in the form of a baby. He came and at this place called Bethlehem, the Word became flesh and began to dwell among us. Christianity is not just a religion of poems and prose. It's not a place of abstract values and principles. It's a religion of relationships. That's really what it is. I've told this many times, but my family wasn't uh, very close. And so I adopted my church family in Chattanooga as my family. And I was very, very close to many of the people in that church. All along my life, wherever I have been serving as pastor, all these 54 years, I've reached out to the people that were there and, and tried to show them my love and receive their love. And it's been just a wonderful, wonderful experience all the way through for me. Relationships are so important. A real person was born in the manger and died on a cross and exists today in the heart of believers so that we might have relationships not only with him, but with each other. With each other. I hope as you look around this room this morning, you can see a lot of people that you love, that you have grown to really, really care about, that you would stand in the gap for. Family is a key word in the body of Christ. It's a word that can be appropriated, I hope, to each one of us as we reach out to others that we love. There are certain facts that go along with Christianity, and one of the most important one of those facts is this one. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, that's the message of Christmas. Everybody's happy today, I hope, even though we have all broken uh, out of our diet. Everybody is going to have to figure out what to do with their trash for a few days. You know, it's always interesting to me around Christmas, the trash builds up. You know, Christmas Eve, some families do the present thing on Christmas Eve. And, of course, there's a lot of paper and cardboard and rows and ribbons and all that stuff. Uh, and we pile it up, and we try and get it in bags, and we try and get it out front. And then Christmas Day, of course, it comes more and more. And sometimes it's the day after Christmas, more and more. And then there's the tree, and then this, and then that. Just a lot of trash. Well, guess what? What difference does that make? It makes no difference. It's Christmas. We can handle it. And we need to focus on the reason for the season rather than the trash. We need to look in on Jesus, who is here and about us to love us and to draw us closer to him. 
Christian teachers have long insisted that if the central truth of Christmas time was really understood by all the people, that we would have the answer to our deepest problems. I really believe that. I believe that whatever the issue is in your heart and my heart, if it's troubling to us, if it's tearing us up on the inside, the answer for that is in the Word of God. I believe that. Some, of course, don't want to see or hear about the incarnation. They don't want to know anything about agape love. They don't even know what it is. Agape love is a giving love. You know, God gave His Son Christmas. Agape love is when you reach out and help some people expecting nothing in return. It's not reciprocity. It's agape love. It's giving without expecting anything back. Or the love of a church family. I think this is so important. Years and years ago, I was serving a church in Dallas, and we had a lot of single adults, and I was the single adult minister. And we, we had a lady in the group who didn't have any money, zero money, and her son died way up north. And she was crying, and she said to some of us at the group, she said, how am I going to get my son the casket here to be buried in our family plot? And she really wasn't begging. She wasn't trying to push us toward doing anything. I think she just wanted our prayers. And and some of us got together, and, and we went around to every single person that was there that day and asked for some money uh, for a casket to be brought to Dallas, Texas. And we rounded up enough money, and we gave the money to her, and she sent off and was able to get that casket down to Dallas. And we all went to the funeral, and it was special. And I thought, you know, this is one of the finest demonstrations of, of a church family that I have ever seen. You know, over the years, it's been great, hasn't it? To see what God's people do as they join their hearts and lives together and and really reach out to help and to share. There are some people that that don't really want to see any of the good side. They want to see the bad side. They don't put the telescope up to their good eye. They put it up to their bad eye. Uh, They don't want to see the answers. They want to see the problems. Do you know people like that? People that want to see the problems. That's what they want to see. They don't want to see the answers. They don't want to see the love. They want to see the problems. Well, I'm not like that, and I hope that you're not. I believe we must have a strong faith in Christ, the baby, the man, and his teachings. We live in a world that needs a great, great faith. It is not Satan's world, even though there are malevolent, malignant things that are all about us. This is the world that God visited to redeem his people, to redeem you and me. Be sure of that by going with me for just a moment in your mind. Would you do that? Just Let's just take a minute here and, and transport our minds to Bethlehem a long, long time ago in the growing madness of things in that world and in our world. In spite of whatever frustration, I'm sure Mary and Joseph had a lot of 
frustrations. And, and some at that scene, I don't know, maybe had a little bitterness. But there was a moment there. There was an hour there when there was a pause. And then there was a baby. And that baby, that baby was the God of all mankind, the God of all universe, the God of all time. That baby was God. You know, if we can revisit that place, that time, that event, it draws us closer to him who came. He'll grow up and teach people and love people and show people how to live. And after he has lived a perfect life, he will say to all who have time to listen, Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. It's nice to know as a part of the people of faith that we're on the winning side, that we have cast our lot with the right people, that we have the honor and the blessing of being receptive to the Lord of all. God bless you everyone. Today, maybe on a Christmas day, there would be someone in the house that would like to trust in Christ as their Lord, and you'd like to give evidence of that. You know, when Jesus would teach or preach, he'd say, you know, those that uh, uh, want to follow me, slip out of the crowd and come and follow me. Well, maybe you would like to do that today. Maybe today would be the day that you'd like to come and join our church family, be a part of a loving group of folks that want to reach out to you and care for you all along in the experiences of life that we have together. I'm going to stand down here at the front. We're going to sing a hymn. If there's a decision that you want to make, just slip out and slip forward and take a stand for him who died for you. Let's stand together as we sing.